Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Welcome to Freefall RC Podcast. This is episode number four, Cold Weather Flying. My name is Steve. Here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. And Jeff. How's it going? What have you guys been up to? How's everyone doing? Doing good, even though it's freezing. Oh, yeah. Today is like 27, I think, or something like that. Dude, it was was six degrees when I got up this morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I had to work outside all day, so it's freezing, freezing, Uh. freezing. You got to get one of those uh, heated jackets, man. Well, you know what? Work pays for the gas in the van, so I don't think anybody from work is listening. But I leave that freaking <laughs> thing running all day long. <laughs> and I'm nice. just in and out of it. I mean, there's the my project manager came out today and he was like, if you need anything, let me know. Like, I know you're going to be out here. And it's, we got a lot of work coming up. So I said, no, just don't pay any attention to the gas bill. <laughs> yeah, you guys use like a gas card, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, so they're not even going to notice it. Nah. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, what have you guys been up to RC-related? Well, I got the um, the big beaver for Christmas, so I'm excited about that. Oh, that's right. going to pick out some electronics soon. Nice. Uh, put that thing together. Um, I was watching a video on it, and I didn't realize that it had front uh, flaps. Yes. Oh, it has That's, leading leading edge flaps. Yeah. Yep. Really. Yeah, and and they go up, down, and neutral. Nice. In, independent of the regular flaps. Oh, that's interesting. Now, is that like the storch where they like hang off the front, or are they just like ailerons? No, it, it looks like the storch is. Oh, that is cool. Oh, cool. So, how many uh, channels does your receiver have to be to support all that? That's a good question. I, I don't know. Well, it'll probably be six still because your flaps are going to be one channel and then you're going to want your ailerons separate. And okay. So it should be six channels. Yeah, I guess with a couple of Y connectors, you know, you could make your um, ailerons one channel too and stuff. Yeah. Okay. But you, with that with that plane, though, you wouldn't want to do that. Oh, right, because you want spoilerons. Or not spoilerons, but uh, flapperons, right? Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome, Jeff. I can't wait to check that thing out. Yeah. yeah, definitely excited. What color I, scheme did you get? Um, I got the red. Okay. The Apache. Nice. Um, I think I'm going to use their motor, um, but then maybe Hobby King for the rest of it. What do they recommend for their motor size? Because I really don't know. Like, I mean, it's what forty something inches, forty eight. Yeah. Yeah. So, what kind of motor do they recommend? I haven't looked at it yet, um, but they do have one of their uh, packages. So I'm just gonna buy just the motor from them. Yeah, that seemed to work with the the other sizes. So I would definitely, yeah. Yeah, I would do the same thing. Nice. They recommend 3s or 4s on that. It's 3s, I believe. Okay. Yeah, it would have to be at least 3s, I would think. Yeah, I was just curious because the beaver, you, the other size beaver, you could do a three or two s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering what size prop you need for that thing, too. It's 48 inches. That's pretty big. You're going to definitely be more than an 8- or 9-inch prop, I'm thinking. 
Yeah, probably like a ten four seven or something, right? Or ten five. Well, I will tell you in one minute. All right, go. Uh, it's forty three inches is the wingspan. Okay. It's a seventy two gram eleven seventy kV motor and a thirteen fifty three S battery with okay. a ten a ten three eight prop. Oh, wow. nice. Nice. Oh, yeah, that's going to be cool, man. I can't wait to see that fly. Yeah, it should be fun. Sweet. You got anything else uh, going on? Get any no. other RC stuff? No, that's that's pretty much it. I did get these new uh, fancy headphones uh, for the podcast as well as gaming. Nice. Um, got the Hyper 2 SoundCloud um, Kingston headset. Sweet, yeah, it's definitely sound better, and I don't hear that uh, hum that you yeah. see here. Yeah, yep. the beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's about it. Though. Awesome. So, what have you been up to, Steve? Uh, so I flew. Uh, our club has this little thing called the Nanook, and basically, what it comes down to is you fly Chris, uh, New Year's Eve, and then you fly on New Year's Day, and you get a little certificate that you completed your Nanook. Uh, so, and also flew on Saturday, uh, so I had a nice three days of flying, so that was pretty awesome. Nice. I uh, ended up working on the FT Mini Guinea once again. Uh, tried to basically reinforce the wing a little bit more. I did the braces on the tail, and then when I flew it, and you know you could vouch for it, Kevin, uh, the wings were kind of flapping like a bird every time I pulled up or down on the elevator. Yeah. And uh, in the true fashion of me just messing around, I was like, let me see if I can fold the wings in. Did a, did a loop, didn't really fold in there, but then I kind of pitched up and then pitched down really hard and pulled back up and snap. You heard the little wooden skewer I had as an additional spar in there snap in the air and it just kind of came twirling down. Yeah, that was interesting because I had never heard or thought that you would hear a barbecue skewer break like that. I mean, it snapped. Like somebody broke their leg. It was just like, yeah. I was like, holy cow. Yeah, that was a pretty awesome sound. And then I thought you still had it with like half the aileron. I was like, oh, he's still going to be able to fly it. And then uh, you, it went it right into the ground. Yeah. yeah. So um, I made some revisions on that. I ended up, uh, I kind of did a bonehead move. I wanted to put basically like the Cub. You know how the Cub has those wing struts? And I think the Beaver has it too. Yeah, underneath. Um, yeah, underneath. But I did it upside down. So normally it would be two points on the wing coming into a one point in the fuselage. And I ended up doing one on the top, <laughs> one on the wing, and then it comes to a, like a V-shape down to the fuselage. So I'm going to actually add an extra skewer and kind of make it a Z pattern or just reinforce it some more. Uh, that'll probably work. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this way would probably work okay too, but... I figure, you know, let's the skewers don't really weigh that much, and this thing has pretty good power, so I'm not worried about the weight. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on and see it, but I think this will be the last like time modifying it. If it breaks again, I'm probably gonna build either a new wing or maybe a whole new plane. We'll see, or or maybe just build the the bigger cup. I mean, the bigger uh, cargo plane, the bigger guinea. So we'll see. Now, we should mention that you didn't use Dollar Tree foam, or you did, but it was, like, colored and on one side. So I don't know where you got it from, but 
it was thinner. Yeah, it was really thin. It was like three about, yeah, three eighths or like or no, you know maybe about enough? three millimeters. I would say yeah, three eighths is bigger. Yeah, it's probably like three <laughs> millimeters um, thickness. Now, when I bought the foam board, um, I bought it at just a normal dollar store, not Dollar Tree, and but it did have the Adams logo on it. So I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if Adams has Chinese knockoff boards, but. <laughs> You know, it was it was a lot thinner. You know, still a dollar sheet, so it wasn't too bad in price wise. But um, I, you know, I bought it because that was available, and and um, I kind of liked having the one sided color. So I was able to make the fuselage all white, made the wings and the the tail section all red. Kind of added a nice color without having to do tape or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I actually picked up uh, sixteen sheets of white and black Dollar Tree foam board. Authentic Dollar Tree Foamberg, I should say, and I'm gonna be working on a couple of new builds with that stuff. So we'll see. But that's about it for me. How about you, Kevin? What's going on? So I I didn't get a chance to get out there the second day of the Nanook. Um, I got out there the first day, and I just had too much going on. Um, New Year's Day, aka recovering. So. <laughs> so I didn't get a chance to get out there, but I, I um, worked on my workbench a little bit. I built, uh, I have those two, like, I guess we could post a picture of it up too. I have, like, the two pockets that I built that were sawhorses, and I had, I had like, an office chair down there that I was using to sit on, and it was, it's always in the way. Every time I turned around, it was in the way. So there was just enough space, like, 12 inches between the two side pieces of the workbench, and I went to the depot, and I got uh, an actual stool with, like, rollers on it that fit right in there. So I was like, wow, this this is cool. That I could just slide it in and get it out of the way. And then to the to the right of that, I have some space between that bench and my the rear bench in my garage and I built like um a little thing with casters on it so I can put my charging station on top of that at, or my toolbox. It's the same height as my regular workbench. And I can either roll it around if I need it for tools or I can fully open my charging station up and uh charge while I'm hanging out there cuz I I always either have the charging thing on the ground or it's on the cube freezer and that pisses the wife off cuz if she comes down and she's like I can't get to that or if I'm always if I'm always piling stuff up on the freezer and she's not a big fan of that. <laughs> so um so it worked out good. Cool. Yeah, I saw some pictures uh you said it looks nice, man. It looks it's nice because it's very deep too, so you have just uh, so much more room to like kind of push your tools back, work on what you got to work on, you know. Yeah, and I I hated that chair. I was just always tripping over it, I was wheeling it all over. Nice. When you uh, work on stuff, do you stand or do you sit on a chair? It depends. If I'm soldering, I'm usually sitting. Like if I'm doing close up stuff. Okay. And then if if I'm cutting out foam, I'm usually standing for a while. Like if I'm tracing out a plane or something and. And cutting it out, I'll All stand right. until I can't stand anymore, and then I sit down for a little bit, and I'll stand back up, and you know, it's just when you're hunched over like that for like an hour, an hour and a half, like cutting stuff out. Sometimes you know, your back starts to get to you. Oh yeah, definitely. Also, I got a um, text message from my buddy Dave there in Ohio. You you guys remember Dave? Yeah, man, Dave was awesome. Yeah, hooked us up with a spot when we went out there um, to fly last. I forget whether it was March or April. Um, and Dave, he's listening to the podcast, and he actually uh, sent me a text saying uh, the reason why that they, they we we had talked about that one large section they had sectioned off for the 3D guys, 
and how we only saw like one or two guys in there and how the heli section was really small. I don't, you remember that, right, Steve? Yes, yeah. Um, he explained that that expensive 3D area um, was reserved for the national F3P indoor championship. And I guess whoever won that was going to Europe for the world championship. And that's why that was so like critical. Uh. And that happened while we were there. And that happened while we were there, and while there had like was twenty planes, and while we were flying in and out of their section, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think we were right. flying in and out of that section too much, but no, just the other. You, you had line. video <laughs> of me flying, yeah, through through the other section. Yeah. Okay, I mean that makes sense, and I mean, I'm guessing they'll probably do it again this year, but if it's an annual national championship, then you know they're going to probably do it every year. Yeah. Well, um, he wasn't. He wasn't sure, and I'm yeah. sure that they'll do it every year until one of us knuckleheads really takes out one of their planes, and then they'll be like, "All right, we're not doing it here anymore." Yeah, <laughs> that I, I find that strange though, because you know you have you have all those kids, and there's a lot of there's a lot of crashing going on there, and they say right. you know one of the rules is don't bring anything you know you're not willing to lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it kind of you know mystifies me too. I don't really understand. I mean. I can understand that they want to do these, uh, you know, kind of figure out, you know, these qualifiers, I guess, or qualifying to go to the nationals. But, I mean, make it a, like, have it on certain times, maybe, you know? Like, NEF is what? A, was it a two day event? Yeah, it's Friday. And I think it's more, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but it's like Friday after five. So, yeah, I right. guess you could call it a two day event. Yeah, so you do like practice for them, you know, Friday, after you know, after five, and then Saturdays you have your trials, and then you know, and then that's it, and then leave Sunday open to kind of the folks that want to, you know, fly. But I mean, I guess it is what it is. Um, yeah, maybe it was I, just to cover everything, you know, under one, you know, weekend. Uh, who knows how right. much they pay to rent that, you know, for the weekend and mm-hmm. what what goes on with that. Right. And I think, um, in general, indoor flying for helicopters is kind of a taboo type of deal. Like most events, especially indoors, I don't. I mean, I don't think they usually allow helicopters at all. You know, it's usually just meant for foamy planes and 3D stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like I was concerned the first time I went out there. I was checking the website for weight limitations, and I think I. No, I didn't bring my baby blender, even though I saw plenty of them there. Both times I was there, I, I didn't bring it because when I weighed it with the battery, it was it was close to being at that weight limit. And mm-hmm. when I got there, you know, I saw a bunch of different things. So a couple of things you know weren't were definitely over. And it's just like, oh, well, they're 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 pretty cool about it, you know. And I know they do it more than just that one weekend because I've seen. Uh, I think Flight Test used to do a couple of shows from that location. They've done a few episodes from that location. Right. Yeah. So are we going to Ram again? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I want to go. Yeah. I definitely want to do Ram and I definitely want to do the Adam RC one too, um, which I think is what, February or no, earlier, right? Or They're both in February, I think. They're both in February. Okay. Well, we got that. Yeah. We got an email from the club about the atomic one or whatever mm-hmm. it is, Adams. I don't remember. Yeah. It's the one in Hillsboro, that swap we went to last last year. Yeah, thirty dollar club. Where I got the thirty dollar club, yeah. Yep. Yeah, um I wanna talk to Jeff about his RC resolutions for twenty sixteen. 
we kind of went over ours last week, and since he wasn't a- able to attend, I kind of want to get his input on that and see. Uh, oh right. You know if he has any resolutions for 2016. Ooh, way to throw that on me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you listened to the last week's episode. <laughs> I did. Bam. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, RC you- resolutions. Yes. Um, I think I need to focus on getting back into building again. You know, last year I was building quite frequently and then it kind of slowed down and I was just flying what I had. And I think since I was crashing less, I had less motivation to build something new because I had a, you know, a nice collection of planes that were in good shape that, you know, I didn't need. I didn't need to build more, but I kind of missed the fun of building. So my resolution is to build more. Cool. You have right. any uh, any planes that you want to, in particular, that you want to build? I mean, besides the racer. <laughs> I was just gonna say besides <laughs> the racer. Yeah. Uh, when uh, we get the cargo plane going, I think that that'll be definitely up there on my list. Nice. All right, so let's go into the plane section. Well. <laughs> I want to add a sound effect. We gonna have yeah. a sound effect for that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Kevin, I know you've been wanting to talk about this for a little bit. So, why don't you go first? Okay. I had purchased the Hobby King P40. Really a fan of the P40. I like the P51. I like the P40. I like the World War II Warbirds quite a bit. So, I picked that up. Um, geez, when the heck was that? Like three months ago, maybe. Oof. When it, when it came out, I was psyched, picked it up, and uh, I was kind of bummed that the decal set didn't include the teeth. I mean, it's known for the teeth. Right, yeah. So I went on to um, militarydecals.com. I had gotten a few decals from him before for my FT Mustang, which I also have teeth on. And uh, they're not real cheap. You know, I think I paid 7 bucks a decal or something like that. Wait, 7 bucks per decal? Per like decal, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I measured it. It was five inches. In, I think it was five inches, and it fit perfect, and it looked great. But then I went to put on the Hobby King decals, and the Hobby King decals went on like shit, for lack of a better term. <laughs> they were terrible. Like, I've put on, I mean, grew up building model cars and stuff like that, and I put on decals before, but these were terrible. Like, you would, they're the peel and stick kind when you, where you peel them off, you line them up, put them on and you know you rub them in a little bit and uh try to peel the clear plastic off and leave the decal behind and half the time the decal would rip coming off with the plastic and you you had said before you've had issues with hobby king decals and man they were just compared to the i know i paid a lot of money for them but compared to uh the teeth ones that i bought i mean my gripe was i paid I think it was 180 for that plane, and uh-huh. they, for 180, you would think they could do a little bit better on the decals. Like I didn't even, I went through, and I did the the stars on the wings. I didn't even get into the fine little decals, you know, like put gas in here and don't step on there or whatever it was. And I put okay. the numbers on the back, and that was it. Wow, so the decals are they're not like water transfer decals or anything. They're you're actually just they're kind of like vinyl stickers where you have your your bottom to protect the adhesive side, and then you have a masking top. Is yeah, I mean, un- unless I made a complete mistake, I didn't see they weren't water-based. Yeah. No, they weren't water-based at all. Oh, okay. 
Wow, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know you had. I know you had these issues, but you know, looking at your model, I mean, I mean, the models, the, air, the models, fantastic. Like the mold that they made, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing for for what it is. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous model. The pilot looks great. The cockpit's amazing. the the de- The detail was really good. Just the that bothered me, and the CG I had dead on. I was running a four cell. And I had flown the Mustang a couple of times before. I have a P-51, the, the beater that's been in the garbage twice and all that. And I flew that at the, the field. And, you know, you have to take off with a little rudder. And that was that was a little bit tail heavy. And that was that's an old model I've had from that I bought from Nitro Planes years ago. So I, I had that going. And so I, I'm not, I'm not like, it wasn't my first time trying to fly, fly a Warbird. So the first, very first time I tried taking off with this thing, it needed so much right rudder, and it still didn't it still didn't track straight down the runway. It went to the left a little bit, and I wound up hitting the, the tall grass and flipping over. And one of the retracts, the pins that, that hold the retract in popped out, and the wheel was shot. Like, there's no way to fix that unless you yeah. have such a fine tap and die that you can actually tap that, I don't even know what it is, an eighth-inch shaft that the wheel is on. Mm-hmm. And find something else to put in there which which is what i originally tried to do to repair it now these are these are 90 degree rotating retracts that fold 100 degrees and at this size model i went to e-flight i was looking all over for replacements because i didn't want to get just these replacements again and have the same issue so i got i got e-flight ones that are 90 90 degree rotating and 90 degree retract retracting Uh um and I pitched them forward a little bit to compensate for the ten degrees, but I also had to cut out the seat where they, you know, they sit in because Hobby King made their own like smaller version of retracts. I didn't like that at all. That I didn't even get it off the ground and it broke. And I, you were there. I think you had a, we got yeah. it on video. I didn't. I didn't. Even, it wasn't even that violent. No, no, it just kind of tipped over, like you know, you know, went nosed over. Um, it's funny because I was listening to flight test podcast and they had um stewart from flight i mean from hobby king on there right i heard the same one one. yeah and he was saying the the same issue with the p40 with the pin falling out and that you know which is okay they admit there's some wrong at that point they should be recalling it in my opinion right they should be sending out anyone who's ordered the p40 here's a set of retracts and he was also talking about Re, uh, better quality retracts, you know? I heard that, and I immediately thought of the, the $30 ones that I had purchased for the Corsair that I want to build. Uh-huh. And when I was listening to him, I was like, I, I was kind of, like, baffled because I'm like, this is what, the, he's the president of Hobby King or whatever he is, CEO um, of Hobby King? No, he's not He's not that high. He's just, like, a, I'm not sure exactly his title, but he's, like, a product specialist, and he also, like, works with R&D and stuff like that. But he's not like the CEO or owner or anything, I guess, C-level. Okay, so now I'm even more baffled that he didn't know about these retracts that I got from Hobby King that had the I – was, I was raving about them. They're, right. they're uh, 90 degree. They're rotating, and they have a little, little spring in them. They have like a little bit of travel and everything. They're really right. well, well made. Hmm. And those are probably the upgrade retracts that, you know, he was talking about maybe. Or, you know, maybe. I, I, didn't, know. I didn't try to put those in, in that. Yeah, I mean maybe, but I I doubt it. But if they were, then how come he didn't know about it? Yeah, <laughs> he should know. And that's one thing that I don't think RC 
companies or you know manufacturers think about i mean you buy a car and there's something wrong with the airbag you get a recall you know yeah if there's something wrong with an rc model i don't understand why they don't recall it as far as like hey you know we'll send you the part you know proactively and not responsive right like um, I had a problem with my Sukhoi and uh, the AR, I think it's 636 or whatever, the flight controller, right. uh, the, the AS3X uh, receiver in there. And, you know, I, I spoke to them and they were like, well, we don't, I sent it to them and everything. I shipped it out on my dime. They looked at it and said, we don't really see anything wrong, but out of goodwill of customer service, we just sent you a brand new ESC and a brand new um, receiver, which is great. But, you know, like on this end where Hobby King... That was Horizon Hobby. That was Horizon Hobby. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I had good, I had good customer service from Hobby King too. Uh, my EFX racer after the, I don't know, maybe second flight. Remember the motor was oh right all jamming up and it was making weird noises. It basically, sounded like a magnet fell off the um, the bell housing. And you know, I I I made a little video. You know, spoke to the customer service. They sent me out a new motor. You know, great. But um. If they know that there's a known issue, why not have even better customer service say, hey, we know you purchased this from us. We have a record of it. We know that there's an issue with the retracts or the motors. Let's, you know, we'll send you a, a new one, you know. And I know yeah. it's, there's probably a big cost to it. You know, when you know, I know car companies, when they recall, they, that's a lot, of, a lot of money they have to spend. But that just, you know, has that buyer confidence backed up you know so i know I, th- I thought you had really good luck with their customer service before the efx racer wasn't there a um a, uh, esc that you needed replaced and and like a battery or two yeah so I've, I've gotten batteries and they've replaced it you know no problems they didn't even ask for the old ones back because i guess it's just more money in shipping you know because i'm not gonna pay the shipping on my dime to return a product that's defective when I, you know, so I always tell them, hey, if you want me to ship this back, send me a shipping label and I'll ship it back. Right. But they, they never want it back. It's okay. Um, now, this is Hobby King? This is Hobby King. Okay. So, you know, that's good, but th- that's only responsive, right? That's only if so, if I report it. If I didn't report it, they would have, of, of course, never cared, you know, that this battery that they sent me was probably sitting in a warehouse for years. And when I did a, an internal resistance check, Everything was in like the 2030s, and that's terrible for a brand new pack with supposedly zero cycles on it. Um, so that's the whole point of rebates. Uh, that that's why most companies do rebates, and they advertise, you know, with this rebate. Because how many times do people send back rebates? Almost never. You know, yeah. you'll buy that, and you'll say, "Oh yeah, I'll send it back," but they're counting on you not sending it back. So I'm not saying they're that malicious. I'm just saying, you know. They're, they're not going to come out and say, you know, uh, we know this, unless it's something really bad, like it's bursting into flames, I would think. <laughs> you know, yeah, they like would. a really bad EC. <laughs> but that, yeah. that brings me to the worst part about this plane, which is not uncommon with some of these Hobby King planes I'm finding out, is uh, that when I finally did get in the air, it was tail heavy really bad. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think you shot video of that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, even with the rudder, that tail was just hanging low. It wouldn't turn around, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I tried to get it up to speed. I had it flying. I think I think I was able to just do one turn. And, I mean, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but, I mean, I could tell when the freaking plane is tail heavy. Yeah. I was, I was hoping it wasn't as bad, you know, and if I had to adjust it 
you'd be able to tell on landing because I really found that out with the Corsair that, you know, coming into approach when you get to a certain speed, it just starts to pitch up. You're slowing down, slowing down. You're trying to get that elevator. You're, tr- you're pulling back on the elevator a little bit, trying to feel it out, and it just pitches up immediately. That, you know, then you know, hey, this thing's tail heavy. I got to add some nose weight. Yeah. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do, whether I'm going to place an order for a fuselage and, you know, and all the parts I'm going to need. Because I think I did smash up the motor a little bit, and that that has um, another unique aspect to it. The motor has, like, this three-bolted three, uh, shaft piece on it that, you know, connects up to the to the spinner in a certain way. And so it's it's all, like, proprietary. You can't swap that out for anything. Yeah, unless you swap out the home order and use a different prop, a different spinner, like... Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, the fuselage isn't that bad. I could probably bend it out, but uh, maybe I'll do that first. I don't know. We'll see. And and that's one thing with Hobby King planes or Duroflyer, just any of their, you know, sister company planes. They're all tail-heavy. Yeah, well, we can speak through experience. The, uh, the biplane that you bought was tail-heavy. Yep. This yep. P-40 was tail-heavy. You were... EFX racer. EFX racer was severely tail heavy. Yeah, I mean, not one plane have I gone from Hobby King that I was like, oh, it's not tail heavy for once, you know, like it's CG perfectly. No, and I, you know, and we run all the recommended battery sizes and everything. It's not like we just go and put a twenty two hundred three S on everything, you know. And yeah. Still, yeah, it's always tail heavy to the point where like I wanna. Anytime I get a new plane, I just want to add an extra couple of grams up front just to see, you know, if it flies right like that. Because it's, it's you know, we're pretty proficient flyers, but it's it can get really hairy quick when it's tail heavy, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Jeff, you got any, you got some plane stuff? Um, No, unfortunately I don't this week. Okay. Well, you're going to be building that beaver. So that's going to be Building the awesome. beaver, building the racer. Yes. Yeah, and if I get the rest of those wings cut out for the cargo plane, <laughs> yeah, we can do a build day. We can do a build day, maybe, and uh... yeah, definitely. Um, I got to take a look and see what electronics we need. Um, so I probably have to put a Hobby King order for that. I have all my FT Cruiser electronics in a little baggie <laughs> since it, it no longer <laughs> exists. Yeah. Well, are you gonna build another one or no? I don't know. You know what I really didn't like about that uh, plane too much was the the elevator because of the size it kind of warps a little bit i'm finding maybe it's just me and the way i store them i don't hang them from the 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 tail or anything mm-hmm. maybe it's just my garage and the, the it could just be the weather the yeah. way it's hanging yeah i'd like to double up on that if i do yeah that sounds cool yeah, it was a good plane i mean i i enjoyed flying it yeah i enjoy seeing it crash when uh <laughs> doing those flat spins <laughs> Oh, that's that, that. Just the noise that it makes is so cool. I love I, it. You know, I have that Arduino. Um, I got some LEDs from Superbright LEDs, and I have that little tiny Arduino that I had programmed to uh, flash the lights and and do the do the kind of like the beacons and the strobes and all that. And I've been trying to figure out what plane I'm going to put that in. I'm either going to do that in another FT Cruiser or maybe the cargo plane. The cargo plane would be cool. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool, especially if I do um, EDFs. In that? Yeah, I was actually <laughs> thinking about the same thing because I have those two sixty-eight millimeter EDFs, you know. And originally, I'm gonna—I was planning on putting in the uh, Nerdnix um, Warhog, the A10. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, 
I have to, I still have to like cut out, cut it out and stuff. And it just seems like there's no build videos. So it's kind of be like, you know, trial and error. <laughs> I think that's a um, real expert build because he goes yeah. into, um, he uses uh, some aluminum that he bends at a 45. And, you know, it's just mm-hmm. it's not the normal FT build type plane. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not scared about like, the level of difficulty is just that there's no real – I mean I have to take a look at the FT article. Um, so going into a blind without looking at that, to me, I have just – I would have to like basically solve a puzzle. Yeah. Build it. No step-by-step instructions. Even if it was like, hey, build a fuselage first, build the wings next. Like I don't know. Like I would just cut out everything and start building whatever I, I feel would be the easiest to build. But then I could totally mess things up with that method because <laughs> the engines are on backwards yeah you know like oh crap the engines aren't on right or this isn't on right or you know just uh but i, I do have to take a look at the uh, ft article before i really go um say you know how difficult the build would be and you know but uh yeah, and if, yeah if we do get a chance to talk to him like i i didn't really understand the difference between the he has two types of wings i think for that plane he has like a, a fast wing and a slow wing or something like that or an expert yeah. wing and an intermediate wing. I don't know. Yeah, I think he has like the speed line. I think he calls it. Oh, okay. Where he has a wing that basically is stronger, and I think the airfoil is a little bit different. So that way, it's probably thinner airfoil, so you get less lift, but you get faster. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to him about that. Um, like, I would love to ask him what does a fatter wing cause to a plane? Like, if it's a fatter airfoil, you get, you know. More lift, less speed. You know, how yeah. does that work out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I guess that would be it. But yeah, I would love to get his uh, his ideas and thoughts on that. All right, so um, I'm gonna go to planes for myself here. Uh, so I've put an order. I've actually been talking to. I'm gonna kill his last name, but his name is Kevin Matusik. I think he recognized you, Kevin. At um, Neff, he said, and at Flight Fest, he said that he spoke to you. I think you mentioned it too that you spoke to him and his friend. Um, yeah, his buddy Tim. Tim. Tim, I it. met a couple of times out at. I think I met him first at Flight Fest 14. We got to talking, and, and then I met him again at Neff, or the other way around. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and then I saw him this time when we were out there. And Kevin, uh, he built his own CNC machine. I think it is. I think that's the same guy. Okay, yeah, I think so. But yeah, I have, he designed a plane called the Raiden, Raiden, and uh, he made a, you know, I was talking to him um, about it, and he was kind of talking to me because I told him, you know, I downloaded the plans, and I, I printed them out, but I hadn't had a chance to stitch them together and, and cut out that foam, but he was like, well, you know, I'll give you a pretty good deal, just, you know, a couple bucks for the plane, and pay for the shipping, and then it was like, he was like, well, I could throw in an extra plane for only... You know, for the same price for the plane, but shipping wise, it would only be like a dollar fifty more or two fifty more, and that's when I, I text you guys to see if you guys wanted one. Um, so I think you're getting one, Kevin, and I'm getting one, and we're both going to be getting the FPV version, so that way we could uh, we could set up the FPV and use it as an FT- FPV ship. Because I think our club is going to be doing some FPV fixed wing uh, yeah. co- contests or. You know, racing and stuff. So that should be really cool, and I think it would work out well with this uh, this plane. So, for the folks that don't know this plane, it's um, 
it's like a pretty thin plane as far as the fuselage, but it has forward sweeping wings with uh, two canards in the front. And there's a bunch of videos on Facebook, and I think he has an FT article too about it. And I mean, it looks like a solid flyer. Like now, what's the wingspan know? on this? Isn't it kind of large? It is kind of large. I'm not. I don't have the the numbers with me, but I know it's definitely. I thought it was like in the 50s for some reason. Oh, yeah. I don't know. 50. That's a lot bigger than I thought it would be. I thought it'd be in like the you know high 30, 40s. Oh, really? I don't know why I'm thinking but, that. I could be completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'll post a a show a link to the FT article in the show notes, and we can kind of take a look at it later. But yeah, I, I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, that, that should be really cool. Um, I'm going to probably run the FPV system I have on my Dragonfly, which is all crashed up right now. And that's like a 600 milliwatt transmitter, and, you know, it's a fast shock system, basically. So yeah, I have to pick up another one of those 600 milliwatts. I have a couple of the 250s. Yeah, I think for the planes we should go 600, just because you know we'll be able to fly much further and higher um, yeah. than we would want to fly the 250 race quad. So yeah, that's gonna be cool. Nice. All right, heli talk. Yeah, exactly. Nice. All right, uh, let me go into this right off the bat here. Uh, it's, it's not a big topic. It's just a small little thing. So one of our members at the club, Rick, uh, we all, Anthony, Rick, and myself, we all use uh, RC Pro Plus on our bigger helis. And, you know, when, when I looked up RC Pro Plus, Anthony referred me to a couple of videos on YouTube and stuff, and I, I ordered the connectors. I soldered them up the way that the video recommended. What is RC Pro Plus? They're they're a company that makes connectors. So they make battery connectors. Okay. They make ESC bullets, um, bullets, and in, in general. So they kind of and they make like soldering station hands and stuff like that, like helping hands. Um, they're a Taiwanese company, I think, or from Taiwan. But their connectors are by far the best I've ever used. And I'm talking about you know I've used Dean's. Um, Yay. To- Tamiya back in the day, <laughs> um, Traxxas for my cars, I've used uh, XT60s, XT90s, and and then more recently I was trying out the Castle 6.5 connectors, 6.5 millimeter connectors, and and I dabbled in EC5 just a little bit, but I, after I soldered one of those, I, I never wanted to solder them. So. <laughs> but then when I got these, um, I soldered them up, and I actually soldered them up wrong, and I was able to unsolder it, solder it back correctly, no issues. They, um, the way that they basically work is you slide the two wires into the connector housing, then you solder your ends on, and then you pull the connectors back, but it's not like the castles where you, you pull it back and you have to jam it and wedge it into the connector to have a seat. You pull it back, and then there's these two orange clips that clip on top and on the bottom that lock in the connector. So whenever you need to unsoldered or you want to you know like for me what I'm going to go into is I had to resolder some of them you just pop off those orange little uh, connector clips and then you pull the bullets back out and you can unsolder them they have really big holes on the bullets to for the solder to flow into and I mean it's just amazing like that's that's similar to automotive like clips you know with the orange pieces mm-hmm. I, I can kind of envision what you're talking about yeah. I've seen the orange 
It's like bullets themselves slide in and have grooves in and the orange clips come along and hold them in, right? Exactly. Yeah, they have little teeth that kind of lock it in and make sure that the bullets are – because you won't be able to lock them if the bullet isn't seated all the way back into the connector. So, yeah, it has that little guide and it clips in and, you know, it's, it's not too hard to uh, take those apart. That's pretty cool because at that size, I couldn't even imagine trying to solder something like 6 millimeter or whatever, you know, at that yeah. size. Yeah, I mean – Sometimes the XT60s can be, can be problems. Yeah, I mean, the, th- the thing is the XT60s are great connectors, but they only handle 60 amps. Right. Of continuous. And the other thing is that, you know, when you talk about these big copters with, uh, you know, 10-gauge wire, I mean, those wires are at least a quarter-inch thick. Yeah. And to put those on just a little connector that only has three-and-a-half-millimeter bullets inside. Nah, nah. Granted, I use it for my Goblin 380. That's that's running success, so the voltage is there, but, you know, the ESCs are only... I'm only running a 90-amp on that. It's not these... 120, 160 amp ESCs that, you know, can pull 100 amps continuous, you know, easily. So, but yeah, let me kind of rewind and go back to the soldering portion. So basically, the way they want you to solder is have the two on the battery to have the two female ends on each positive negative side. And then on the ESC side, you put the two male ends. And, you know, when you think about it, that's cool. You know, you can't plug them. They're also polarized. The connector's housing is polarized. So you can't plug them in the wrong way. Um, which is great. But the problem is is that I have more batteries than I have helicopters. And you can't buy the bullets separately. Oh. So what you're left with, like a, a, a pack of eight connectors where you have eight male and female, you end up using the eight female side and you only use, say, you know, I only have really two big helis I use it on. And and, and I, I use four of those, so now I have four extra ones that I can't use unless I buy more helicopters. And if I buy another set, then I'm going to have even more of the male ends that True. I can't use. So Rick at the club <clears throat> came up with a good idea. He's like, well, I'm just going to alternate them. I'm going to have the positive on the battery still be the female. So that way that's the most safest uh, connector. And then, and then on, the male, on the negative side, I'm going to use the male. And that way every single connector I use is using both. So it's always an even number. And... From the set of eight that I had, after I redid everything, I have now enough to do two more um, battery packs or ESC. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not sure why they do it that way. Um, <clears throat> I could kind of guess. Why they don't sell just the female. I mean, when you think well, about yeah, it, all the too. connectors are, are sold both sides. Like when I buy the XT60s, I have to buy five males, five females. Well, no, you can buy them individually. Not individually, but like oh, can you buy five, them? You could buy just a female. In the correct gender? Yes, yeah, so you could buy the correct gender, whichever way you want to bend it. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> well, what if, the, what if the connector is questioning at the time? Is there, well, then you buy both. Is there right? a third? Yeah, I guess then you buy both. <laughs> yeah, then you buy both. <laughs> the battery's questioning. Oh boy, this is going wrong. This is going way wrong. Totally downhill. (laughs) So, but I mean, that's a great idea, though. It's a great idea, right? And I don't know why no one else really thought of it. And and Rick, you know, he's he's been in the game for a while, so I guess he kind of had that experience to know, like, hey, these connectors don't match up. I'm gonna make it match up, you know. Well, and didn't he use the power poles for a while? I mean, maybe he got that idea from the power poles because they're also like male, female, right? But they slide together. You can put two on. But those are also color-coded, I think. 
Yeah. Now I I kind of understand like thinking about it more. I I kind of see why they would uh want to make all the battery size both female and all the male side because I realize now that my connectors are all made if I have if I'm not thinking about it, I can technically plug in the batteries into each other. A battery to a battery, yeah. A bat- yeah, because I mean these are I'm all using this on my uh 12 st- 12S stick packs, right? So I have two battery leads coming out of my stick pack. And, you know, if I'm not really looking at it, technically I could probably plug those in. And so there's no safety net with that. See, now, in my mind, I would have to, like, use some color, color-coded, color um, like, vinyl tape, some electrical tape. Hmm? And just the two that were going together, I would, I would, like, mark with the same coated tape or something. Yeah. I mean, so... Maybe that's a good idea that that you know we can recommend to RC Pro Plus is you know those clips, make one orange, make one black or or white or another color, so you know the ESC side is going to be this one color, battery side is going to be this one color, so you never would um, you know match up the two colors and click them together. You would just you know, or if you wanted colors. the ones that go together make the same color. True, you that way that. it would work too. Yeah. The only thing with that is that. It doesn't matter which battery pack I plug into the the um, serial cable to my ESC, so that could still get mixed matched. Anyways. Yeah, you would know more than me because I'm I'm only using one battery. Yeah. Uh, so what do you got, Kevin? Oh, I was wanted to talk about the 180 and how much fun I've been having with it. <laughs> Even yes. though I uh, I crashed it again, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, you and I and Anthony had had a, had a discussion about it a little bit back and forth and i had said that you know do you think it's you think it's bad that i'm sticking with such a small model and even though you know i don't want to stop flying it because it's it's a lot of fun and i have i'm less nervous flying that i'm i'm more like comfortable with with whipping that around and i actually been doing a lot of laughing while i'm flying it because you know I'll, i'll lose it and i'll get it back and (laughs) <laughs> are you considering stopping flying it well that was my question to anthony um and steve was like do you think i'm i'm hurting myself by staying with this small model even though i like it you know i, I don't want to stop flying it because i'm having such a good time with it but um wouldn't you wouldn't it be better to keep going with it since aren't they harder to fly than uh, a larger one they're harder Less to stable. fly yeah i mean yeah, they're they're very twitchy. I guess it would be the good term for it, um, and they're very quick because they're so small. Now, my opinion on it: a one eighty, basically anything smaller than a three, uh, a four fifty size heli, is basically a waste of time. Now, I mean, I guess the Oxy three is the exception because that's a great flying heli, so it flies just like a four fifty as far as the tendencies. But the one eighty, I noticed, has some really bad tendencies where you have to give an extreme amount of negative pitch to. Yeah, you know, just get, to get, get that helicopter yeah. from stop falling, right? Not even to stop it from hovering, like to hover it, but to stop it from falling from the, the inertia. So, you know, like that kind of stuff, It'll you can do it. It's good to work on, you know, flipping the heli and trying to get it inverted and hold it. And, and it's just less risk if you crash. Uh, you it's know. easier to rebuild for me. I mean, you can pull that torque tube out and slide a new one in within like two minutes and you're yeah. ready to go. Definitely. It's easier. I mean, in certain aspects, it's easier. I mean, try working on those servos. You know, they're, they're a pain in the butt. Yeah, I've done quite a few of them. Now I'm um, getting it down. Yeah. 
Um, what what else did I have? I know I had another point I wanted to make about the smaller helis. With with the smaller helis, you don't have a proper fly barless controller. You can't really tune it. I mean, I know the Blade 180, you can tune it with the sticks. You know, you could even get down to the PID levels of tuning. But, um, you know, normally for a normal person that doesn't want to sit there and look at the lights and beep noises to see which setting they're on, you know, aren't going to mess with that. And what's going to happen is... I'd probably gonna mess have, with it. Yeah. And, you know, you saw your 180 at one point um, had a lot of cyclic bobble or the gains were too high cyclic for the cyclic. Um you know, just it has some weird tendencies that it's it's harder to tune out. But that was I've, also with the aftermarket goblin, you know, lookalike canopy and tail boom thing. And I yeah. have some link stuff on it, which is making it a little bit heavier. Yeah, and that's the thing with mine. I haven't flown it because last time I flew it, it was just it wouldn't fly. Like I don't know if I think I I think the mesh on the pinion was messed up. So it was every time I gave a positive pitch, it would the motor would just die. It would just, won't. So I don't know if it's because I went crazy with the length aluminum parts. I'm I'm putting on a swash plate from um, was gonna get one from Lynx, but the Lynx one were a little bit more expensive, and actually Horizon had uh, some aftermarket stuff that was cheaper. And okay. This one's titanium, so I got a swash plate. This is my swash plate. The ball and the swash was just moving all over the place. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to that, the original canopy style, the pod and boom style. Yeah, definitely. Goblin, the micro goblin looks cool, but uh, pod and boom is just lighter and better. I mean, yeah, I I think that's what led to my crash. I don't know. It was just getting louder and louder. And I think that one screw was going into the tail boom. Um, You know, the the tail push torque tube a little bit. And I, I don't know. I even backed it out and cut it off and everything. Uh, I don't know what was going on with it. Something was wasn't right with it. Yeah. So to go back to your question, you know, is is messing around with the 180 inhibiting your learning and growth within RC flight? Yeah. I kind of would say yes. I, I would think that because it has those bad tendencies, it's too. You're you're you end up fighting the tendencies, then learning something new. You yeah. Know, so when you flip it over to negative and you're like full negative pitch and you're bogging the motor and it, and it's still hitting the ground, it's like you know what are you learning from that? Yeah, true. You know? But then when you fly the oxy or the goblin 380, you, you you know when you're flipping it, you just you know how much negative. You learn that collective management a lot quicker, I think. I was actually kicking around the idea of maybe picking up um, the oxy. Uh, see, I. I, I keep going back and forth because I know now the Oxy Four is coming out. I was thinking about maybe getting another Oxy Three just uh, at the two fifty five and just leave it. Yeah, or get the Sport Edition. The Sport Edition, yeah. Yeah, because that's running two fifty fives, and I think it's. I mean, the kit is only like two and change, like two twenty. What's like the difference that? between that and the the Oxy Three? Um, the Sport has a G ten mainframe, so it doesn't use the carbon fiber frame. Okay. It comes with plastic blades instead of carbon fiber blades. The rest of it looks pretty similar as far as the square tube, the you know uh, torque tube, not torque tube, but the uh, the tail boom. The, the tail boom, yes. Um, thank you. The uh, all the all the other pieces pretty much look the same, but I think you know the G10 frame is a little bit cheaper. It's going to have more flex to it, but you know at that sport level, I think it'll be fine. Do you have to stick with the plastic blades, or can you put on? carbon no fiber. you can you can put on it's just you know at that price point they don't want to put you know thirty dollar um carbon fiber blades with the kit because then that would increase the price so okay uh, but the, it comes with the link plastic blade 
And when I used to fly the... Uh, you had them on the 180, right? Yeah, I had them on the 180, which I still have them. I just, I, I've been using the stock blade ones because they're in a little bit better condition. But um, I've had them on the 130X when I used to fly that a lot. And those blades were the best. I've tried Extreme. I've tried you know other manufacturers. And those were... They seem to be the best for me. So I, I do like Lynx. Uh, even their plastic products are pretty good. Okay. The other thing in helis I was just going to mention was um, Anthony had sent us some pictures. Yeah. Of his... Uh, his what yeah, gob- his, his custom his yeah. Goblin three eighty his custom yeah uh, Brazilian flag scheme and his um, his Puerto Rican flag scheme it looks fantastic man yeah it looks amazing um, I was thinking you know if it's okay with him we'll put it in the show notes you know or post it on Facebook or something like that yeah definitely definitely yeah we'll double check with him but um, it looks great I don't know if you checked your phone Kevin but he just sent me a text. And he has his uh, beater Goblin 380 with this Fusano Assassin's canopy. I don't know if it's it looks amazing, and maybe I'll, I'll ask him about that too and see if we could post it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't but, have my uh, phone. I my phone's uh, silent and in another area of the house. <laughs> I'm so dedicated. To Sorry. <laughs> well, we'll we'll check with him and see if we can add some links to the show notes. Um, I'm sure he'll he'll be okay with that. Yeah, that's cool. Cool. All right, multi-rotors, FPV talk. What do we got here? Well, you had mentioned it before. We're going to get those Raidens, and the only thing FPV-wise I was going to mention was I'm going to take my camera, and I have a I have a little pod thing set up where I have a camera and transmitter. And okay. right mm-hmm. now I have it on the, the RC truck that Jeff gave me. Oh, okay, yeah. And I, I drive that around the neighborhood and bother the neighbors. That thing's like a tank. He gave me a, what was that, Jeff, a Traxxas? Yeah, it was the E-Max Traxxas. Yeah, that thing's a tank, man. It can go through anything. I haven't haven't done that lately, so I'll probably pop that off and see if I I have it on one of those FT firewalls. I just, like, zip-tied it to that and kind of fixed it so I could, like, take it off of one thing and put it on another. I was going to try it on the Bixler, like, last weekend. I was thinking about doing it. Oh, cool. You should uh, bring that truck to the field. I'd like to actually check it out. <laughs> okay. I think you brought it out once to Green Pond, right? I had the, um, I know I had the other one. Oh, the it was Old the Falcon. other one. Yes. Yeah. That was the one I, I, I had taken the 600 milliwatt transmitter off of. Um, that's why I want to get another one, too, because I have the 250 on there. And that range isn't the best, um, but the 600, man. I can. I was in my neighbor's like shed, looking around with it. And, <laughs> nice. And yeah, I was like down the street. I think I had that at Jeff's too a couple of times. Ah, cool. And we were yeah, driving. We were fun. driving up the sidewalk, like four or five houses up the sidewalk, and turning around. And you were even driving it out of the uh, out of line of sight. You remember, we went up over the hill. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ah, cool. Yeah, it was pretty wild, and it was really cool when he got. Um, he has a couple of cars, and he got one of them out, and we were like racing each other in the street. And just that point of view, you know, from the mm-hmm. from the the car chasing another, it was that was pretty crazy. That was pretty wild. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, let's see here. Um, do I have anything for multi rotors? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hooked up DSMX satellites on my 250 race quads, um, but one of them are actually now out of commission completely. Um, I've torn two motors and ESCs out to put them in uh, what 
what plane did I put those in? Oh, into the uh, the mini? mini guinea. Yeah. So I'm using those motors in there. So one quad is completely down. I haven't really had that good of a luck with these 250 race quads. Just I can't get the PIDs to set right. I, I'll you know consult with some uh, you know folks at the club that primarily do this stuff and see get their input on it. But yeah. Well, what was your flight controller on those? They were all Nase 32. Oh, yeah, right. Revision Five. Um, Jeez. Yeah, I love the Nase 32 boards. They're great. Oh, that's right. You said you're hooking satellites up to them. Yeah, yeah. So you just kind of use two of the pins of the uh, receiver port on the thing, or like you know the pinouts, and then you just tap a, a three volt for the uh, power. Yeah, you you do need to bind the receiver prior to hooking it up. So you bind it with any other receiver, then you basically um, set the board to use that as a satellite, and then you plug it in and boot it up, and it works. So it's pretty cool stuff. Nice. Jeff, do you have anything multi-rotor related? Um, I wanted to mention that uh, my sister got her first multi-rotor. Nice. Uh, she, she's been uh, nagging me to bring mine down to she got a uh, new property she bought a new house on uh 10 acres of land and she's been hounding me to bring down uh my bat bone um to you know take some video of the land and everything and pictures of the house and my bat bone has been in pieces for quite some time as it usually is um so she ended up getting you know, a very, very basic uh, starter quad, one of those uh, basically toys that's, uh, you know, where it's like almost like a rubberized um, frame around for uh, props. Okay. Um, so she's going to play with that and see, you know, how she likes it before she uh, invests in something bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question to you guys is, um, and, and I was really at a loss, and I could I couldn't believe it. Um, if she wants to step it up to a legit a legitimate um, quad, and she doesn't have the patience to build it, or mm-hmm. or want to learn how to build it, but doesn't want to spend you know the cost of a phantom, what would you suggest she take a look at? I mean, depending on her price range, it's hard to say. Because um, you could probably get a Phantom 2 um, pretty cheap now. I mean, under $600. Oh, okay. You know, I know the Phantom 3s are like 900 and under, I think. Those are pretty good at that price point for someone who wants to just do AP and not want to learn the technology. Right. Um because, you know, it comes with a charger, it comes with a radio, you know, you can set it up, you know, so many different ways. And you can you can do FPV, you could get an FPV rig for it too um, later on, you know. But, like, if you went the other way and say, like, hey, you know, get an FT versus a copter, and then, you know, you need to buy a transmitter, you need to buy a battery, you need to buy a charger. Even if, say, you know, you were to build it or someone, you know, even one of us um, did the building for her, the, the thing is that, like, you need to start learning more about lipo maintenance right, and yeah. care um learn how to do binding and you know basic troubleshooting when something happens you know yeah. so um you know even like something simple as like props right like 
we all had to kind of learn which way the props spin. Right. On right. a DJI, the the props the um, the props have the nut on them, so they can only screw in one way, depending on the motor. So you can't get the prop direction wrong. You can't put the props upside down, you know. So there's a lot of things like for a beginner, looking not to be a hobbyist more, but just to kind of dabble into it. I don't know if you can really beat a Phantom. You know, I, I hate to say it because I'm <laughs> I, I do not like DJI at all. But um, maybe oh, you, I mean, oh no, this is really expensive. But I was thinking the Chroma, which is the Horizon Hobby version of a, a Q500, I think, or or Q4 something. But that's like. I think like fifteen hundred or something. It's oh, yeah, or yeah, two grand. Yeah. It's up there in price. No, but, I think she, I think she'd be in the range of a Phantom too. Yeah, especially because they're getting a little bit older now, and you know, so you can you could definitely get them used pretty cheap. Right. You know, probably around five hundred or less. So. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I'm gonna. I'll see how she does with this, and then mm-hmm. I'll talk to her about it. I would say stay away from the the scratch built side of things yeah for sure because like steve said you know you don't want to you don't want to I, I there's a lot of hassle involved with it for setting it up and all that stuff and doesn't um doesn't blade make something like a the qx the 200 qx or something like that yeah yeah or the qx3 yeah i thought that was still like 800 but the qx2 which which be much cheaper and that oh, has right. the same you know? technology in it and all that yeah I know it doesn't have like the newer features like follow, follow me mode or, but I think it does have like that. I mean, I'm doing air quotes, but the um, I don't know how to fly mode, where yeah. you push the sticks away from you, no matter what orientation the hell uh, the quad is, it'll always fly away from you and always come back to you kind of deal, and has that return to home and all that stuff. So, yeah, the blade option wouldn't be too bad either. Yeah, I think there's a couple of different models, but then. Uh... They have it for five seventy nine on Hobby King. They have a Hobby King um, Horizon Hobby. They have the two hundred blade QX with FPV system. But yeah, I think the the three is actually something to look into too. I don't know how much that goes for. The three, depending if you get the AP version, which has like you know the added stuff for aerial photography. Yeah, this it's just this doesn't have a gimbal on it or anything like that. This has you know their their little tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, hundred dollar, like video transmitter and camera in one, but you do get fat shark goggles with this, and that's cool. And I think you would need a radio, though. Yes, those are binding flies, I believe. I, I think yeah. they do have a ready to fly version, but that's gonna definitely up the price. Yeah. Um, but you know, but there's ways around it. You can you can get a used DX6i, and that'll bind to it. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Cool. Yeah, man. All right, Kevin, do you have uh, any stuff you want to add on to the FPV and multi-rotor stuff? No, I haven't been really doing much. I'm still, you know, I'm hoping to 3D print some stuff when I get a 3D printer for my 250 race quad. And What's up with your Dragonfly? I had got a Naze 32 and got it all together, and one of the outputs, I'm not sure which motor output, just would not would not work would not spool up a motor wouldn't do anything oh wow so i think i ordered another one or i had another one okay and um i'm i have to swap that out and i don't know what i'm gonna do with that i think i'm gonna try and get that gimbal setup that you got for your gopro and 
I have that FT sliding piece thing, whatever it is. The camera yeah, the, support. The, the camera battery mount. Yeah. The rail system, I think they call it. Yeah, because I like that. It's it's pretty cool. Oh yeah. Setup. It jumped in the air and can handle some weight. You know. Mhm. And I know Perry likes it down at the field there. I did notice some weird tendencies with mine. I don't know if it was the KK board, but I think. Um, well, I definitely noticed. Well, the, yeah. Well, with the the turning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I noticed some weird stuff with just throttling up um just because there's only one motor in the back to level keep it level while there's you know four in the front basically yeah and i found it strange that with the kk the the motors kind of went you know clockwise counterclockwise all the way around the the dragonfly Mm -hmm. um but then when you change over to the naze all the props were basically in the same direction i think except for the rear one or something like that you would um, you would still done that conversion. Yeah, I mean that's what. It, so in the Naze board programming, it it shows you basically all. You know, this is a tricopter. Basically, it's a modified tricopter, and um, they show all the motors spinning in the same direction. A tricopter can fly perfectly fine like that, but what ends up happening is when you add the two extra motors in the front, now you have a lot of torque. So it was hard for it to keep mine level and not yawing all the time. Um, and I spoke to Perry at the club, and he's like, no, no, no. Just, even if it does say that, just switch it. So, like, you have your, you know, your your front left, if you're looking at it, you know, with the tail end, um, you know, spinning clockwise. You have the other ones on the front right, spinning counter, and then Oh, clockwise. so you went back to that? Yes, I went back to that. And as soon as okay. I did that, the, the yawing issues of, of it wanting to just turn uh, counterclockwise all the time was fixed. So... And and the programming doesn't care really. Like the board doesn't know which way the motor's spinning because it doesn't have that much. Right. You know, it's just trying to counterbalance everything. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. Let's move to the next topic, uh, which is our main topic: cold weather flying. Boo. We all. Yeah. Boo. We love all in the Northeast. Um, so. You know, like we said earlier today, it was freezing outside. I couldn't imagine trying to fly in this weather right now. No. Uh, so let's kind of talk about it. How do we handle it? What do we do? Do we stay inside and hibernate? Do we risk going out there anyways and getting frostbite? Yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is a combination of two, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. There's some days where I'm like, I don't even want to go into the kitchen, let alone like <laughs> pack all my stuff up and go out to the flying field. I don't know when it gets to that point. Like I'll know like when I, when I'm standing outside and I'm I'm facing the wind and I can feel it on my chest and it's like so ice piercingly cold. It's like, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. But um, we did get transmitter gloves. Yes. I was going to mention that. Um, Yeah. We got transmitter gloves. Uh, Jeff hooked it up. uh, I think last Christmas it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, I haven't had the balls to try it yet <laughs> because I just feel a little weird, like having a transmitter, like a glove over my hands. But I think this year I'm going to give it a shot. I'm definitely going to use them. Well, I saw that Rick had one um, a couple weeks ago when we had a little little drop. He had his out and he has some kind of like heater inside it or something. Yeah, it's almost like a heat blanket inside, right? Yeah, it's like a, yeah, like a heating element, like a heating element, a heat pad or something. There, there, there is an optional part for that. Um, oh. for that glove, 
It's on the related items tab. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. I'm guessing it probably just runs off a, a battery pack. Yeah, like a, like a small, yeah, small lipo. Or you oh, could so. just like short the the battery leads together, right? It would heat up. <laughs> yeah, tell yeah. me how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I'll use some uh, some small twenty two gauge wire or something, and see how it goes. <laughs> uh, and then end up cutting your finger off or something, or burning yourself pretty badly. What I'm gonna try is uh, to just crack one of those hand warmers in there. Yeah, maybe put one or two in there. Yeah. yeah, I would say like toss four or five of them in there and <laughs> get them all nice and toasty. Well, I got those battery operated. They take double A's. They kind of fit in the palm of your hand. I don't know if those would, would work or not. Hmm. Maybe if I cranked up the juice on them or something, put four double A's in there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, how about we, how about, uh, we uh, put a drag your... in it? <laughs> no, no, I was going to say do something different. Like drag your uh, generator out to the flight line and plug in a heat gun and just... Have it nozzled into it, or we get we get a tent and just get like a, a heater in there, right? That'd be, uh, that'd be good. <laughs> nice big window in the front. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm gonna definitely try to transmit a glove. I think. Why not? You know, we have them. We just have to. I just want to set it up so that way I don't feel the transmitter, uh, the top portion of it, on my hands at all. Well, somebody had a good idea where they had the they had a short like little leash thing coming out hooked onto the radio and then coming out the top and had like little um the little like D rings. The D rings, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had like a little D ring on the top and you were they had another like strap around their neck that was shorter and they just clipped into that. So that made it easier for you know, you pull your hand out and you don't have to clip it off the radio and pull it out of the bag and you know, mm. it was I forget who had that. I think Tony had that down there at okay. the at the club. It, huh. It's a good idea. It's a that's one of the greatest things about the club, man. I see so many. I get so many great ideas. I see so many great things when I'm down there, like just little things you pick up on, you know. Yeah. And we also, yeah. oh, speaking of things given to us, you gave us uh, um, some 3D printed skis like last year. Yeah, yeah, which they didn't really work. So I might. Re- I'm gonna probably try to do another version of those this year. Do you think they um, didn't work because the snow was so like light, as it wasn't packed down enough, or? I mean, it could be. I think maybe the uh, surface area is too small for the weight of the plane. Oh, okay. So, like, if we were to use that on, like, the mini guinea, I'm, you know, I'm sure that they would probably work fine for that. But I think because I think we tried them on the Mustang and, yeah, yeah just the overall weight, would just, it would just sink right in. You know, if it was on ice, yeah, that'd be fine. Um, so, yeah, I might, uh, what I think I'm going to try to do is make them thinner and wider and longer. So, you okay. know. It might be a little bit flimsy, but I mean, yeah, we'll give that a shot. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I have no other tips for, other than staying inside and going on the sim, maybe. Yeah. Right. That's my advice for cold weather flying. I mean, I'm not sure. Like we got we got listeners all over, so some guys and I and I don't know it's all relative. I hear from my mother all the time down in Florida. You know, it dipped down to fifty. We'd love to hear from the guys out there. From the states that are listening to us, like uh, Minnesota, Montana, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did we have? Uh, oh, I have to yeah, check. We have, we have a listener have from Montana. Seven, we have seven now. Seven oh, from Minnesota, Minnesota oh, okay. though. So it's Minnesota. Sorry. Love to hear what you guys uh, do up there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if you uh, if you're from one of the colder regions of the U.S. or all over the world, 
definitely uh, email us and let us know, you know, what do you guys do? How do you guys handle it? Um, for me, I think I'm going to be flying as much as I can when there's little wind, no matter what the temperature is, as long as the wind is non-existent. That's true. The wind can be a real pain. Yes. Because um, if I, it's, I mean, the first thing that happens is you start to tear up. Your eyes start to tear up. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. just that's not good. <laughs> not when you're flying no. a helicopter. Yeah, seven hundred size helicopter. I mean, and not only the helicopter and flying, it's just a bad look. You know, you're flying a helicopter and you're crying, and people are like, "What's wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I think um, no matter what the temperature, as long as there's no wind, I'm going to be out there flying. If it's windy, hell no. <laughs> and see, I'm I'm kind of the I'm like the other way around. Like, I, I actually enjoy – there's a big good to a point when you're like, all right, this isn't fun anymore. But I actually have a good time with, with a steady headwind, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, geez, I've flown that Mustang in it and flew that backwards the one, the one time we were up there in Green Pond and – it seems kind of out of the ordinary, but I like flying the little like the crack beaver and that the crack pits with a little bit of wind because then you can you can kind of do some crazy stuff and yeah, I mean I don't mind the wind to fly in the the reason I don't want to fly in the wintertime with the wind is the wind chill the wind chill yeah okay with no wind I can deal with thirty degrees weather like I could go in my car warm up come back out you know I'm layered up I have enough insulation that's fine yeah. But as soon as you get that, like, strong, you know, even a seven-mile-per-hour wind, it gets cold. Like, your hands are freezing. Everything is just frozen in your face, you know? So I guess one piece of advice I would have to say, and now that we've been doing this a couple of years now, is don't bring a lot of stuff on a cold day. Because mm. you don't want to be, I don't know, for me, I don't want to be, and I still do bring a lot of stuff, but I think I'm going to cut it down to, like, two or three things just so I'm not unloading that stuff. Like like, like you're saying, if it's super cold out, yeah. I mean, you're obviously not going to be flying that much. You're going to try to do what you can, but you're going to mm-hmm. be having less time with the batteries. You know, they're, yeah. they're going to they're gonna, um, drain quicker. Well, and that's a good thing. That, that's the next thing we should talk about, batteries in the cold. Um, what I've been recently doing is putting the batteries in my pocket. Right. You know, even if it only brings them up a little bit, I think, you know, you do get a little bit better performance. These these light bulbs do not like the cold. Yeah. And I have the, you know, I have the generator outside and usually my charging setup is outside. I mean, I could put it inside. Don't know how much better that would do. But, yeah, I've been trying to keep like, if I have a couple of batteries ready to go, keep them in my pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, warm them up a bit. Yeah. I really didn't think that made a big difference, but it, it does. It makes a, it, it does make a difference. Yeah, I've noticed it. I don't I've noticed it on the 380. And I don't know if it's a certain amount of time, but you do notice it, I think, in the amperage, you know? Your draw and how, how they perform. Yeah, how quickly you draw. I think I've noticed it mainly on the punch, on the C rating. Right. So, like, you know, if I were to take a battery pack out of my pocket, right into the Goblin, get it, you know, plugged in and start flying, you know, especially the first couple minutes, I, I feel like the packs are pretty strong. Um, but I've I've left the battery in the heli, you know, while I'm chatting around, letting other folks fly and stuff. And then I go up to the line and I'm like, oh, did I put a bad battery that's not charged in here? You know, like it, it almost has that type of performance um, degradation from going from a fu- two fully charged batteries, one warm, one cold. It feels like the cold one is at 40% already and you're just, you know, at that low uh, amperage already. Yeah. So. I had an experience like that similar with the Sequoia. 
put the fresh battery in it and knew it was fresh because I check it every time. Mm-hmm. And I was up maybe a minute, and I was like, "Is there something wrong with this battery?" Like, the Sequoia is a good example because I'm running a little bit. I'm I think I'm running the 20 C's. I'm really not running the C rating it should run, so I feel it towards the end of the flight more. But sure. I, I'm using those three thousands, those thin three thousands that fit in really nice. Um, and I get I think six minutes of a flight time, but towards the end, yeah, you can feel it. Like it's not gonna, it won't hover the same as the first two minutes. Right. So I guess we're just going to have to deal with the code or stay inside. Uh, we definitely need to do some build days. I do want to uh, build yeah. that cargo plane. That's another thing. You know, you know, you do in the wintertime. Yeah. Fix all the stuff you smashed in the summertime. <laughs> Very true. I have so many quads and tricopters and all this stuff to rebuild. So You know what I was doing? I was bringing all this crap that I really didn't care about the last couple of times I went out there. Like the Bixler 2 I brought out and like all this stuff I'm like off oh, I really smashed up I don't care mm-hmm. you know it's the end of the year I can clear out a spot or I can fix it yeah speaking of crashing yes let's go right into weekly crash stories crash 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 um I want Kevin to start this off because I think he's had uh quite a bit I of had... crashes today <laughs> this past week yeah I was raving about well, I did say, last episode, I did say I crashed the Oxy, and I fixed it, kind of. Um, I guess I want to start this off by saying karma is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I'm going to really go into what I mean. Um, oh, I know that, what you mean. <laughs> but uh, if, you're, if you're a knucklehead at the field, karma is going to bite you in the ass. Yeah. And, and we saw an example of it the one Perfect day we were out at the field. Yeah. What happened? Um, I I'd, was... I'd, put my oxy back together and i was flying it um and it was i don't know it's kind of making a different noise and i think i have i have to go into the hobby wing esc and it makes some adjustments because i think my head speed on the on the triple bladed head is just way too fast yeah um I get, we, so we, i'm gonna have to do some adjusting so basically i was just tooling down the flight line flying in a straight line and it basically ate itself i don't know better way of putting it um, I don't know whether I lost the tail boom, the tail rotor push rod, or what happened, but it uh, it went down. And then how, uh, how does karma fit into that? It's coming up. Oh yeah, how come? Yeah, yeah I'll get to it. <laughs> so we went out to the field like we normally do, you know, when we have a crash, because you go out there, you know, used to be when I would crash, I would run out there, grab all, grab what I could, and run off. And then I learned, you know, you gotta you gotta kind of take your time because you want to see what happened. You. You can get a lot of information on rebuilding as to what you what you find, and mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes there's a major part missing that you have to find or that you would like to find. Sure. Yep. So we were out there, um, and uh, one of the guys was fl- got his uh, nitro plane started and started yelling at us to get off the field, like just like yeah, hey, yeah, hey, you know, not really yelling, yelling, but just he's like, hey guys, you know, kind of like you know, yeah, like, like questioning yo, what like, we're doing, right? Um, you know, what are you standing there for? There was four of us out there. So um, we came back in and we were checking checking things out and he wound up clipping the top of the trees and losing his plane. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> I mean, I hate to see that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I mean, you know, like... Like I was saying, you, you really don't know... You don't know who people are. You don't know what they do. And I brought up the story when jeff crashed his plane in a tree and i said hey you know what i got a bucket truck i can go get and that's not something i'm i'm you know 
I'm not wearing the bucket truck freaking flag on my on my chest when I go out to the field because I want to fly. I don't want to spend time getting stuff out of the trees. But you know, if it was one of you guys, or you know, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm certainly not going to take my the time of my weekend to go up and ask the boss if I can borrow a bucket truck for some guy that just yelled at me to get off the field. You know, yeah. that's what I mean. You know, you got to treat everybody with a little respect, and you never know. Yeah. They might be there for you one day, or you know, right? Whatever. They might own a bucket truck. They might own a bucket <laughs> truck, or know how to climb a tree or something. You know. They might own a chicken stand. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they might know how to climb. They might know a monkey with the with a rope in his mouth. I don't know. Yeah. A monkey with a chainsaw. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so but, uh, yeah, so I had that crash. I had the little 180 crash, and I have video of that. That was pretty funny. Not the actual crash, but when I walked up to it. I was giving it rudder, I think, and yeah. it, it was pulling the tail up like a fish that was dying. It was it was pretty funny. I think I posted that on Instagram already. Yep. And also posted on Instagram. I brought my remember the mini vegan, Jeff. Did I? Did you yeah. ever see that? Yeah, yeah. The little fifty-five millimeter ducted fan that I had. I had it running on three S, and uh, I don't know. The first time I flew, it flew great, and then after that, I had some problems with it. It's always sitting at the end of my garage when I leave. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to throw that in the Jeep. Like I said, the end of the year, you know, these are just, these are things I don't right, care right. what happens to. Mm-hmm. So I brought it out there and I was flying it around on 3S and everybody was like, you're giving it full throttle the whole time and it's really not going anywhere. It could use more power. And Tony was like, oh, I have a 4S if you want to try and use it. And so I'm like, yeah, why not? So we threw a 4S in it and immediately it was so much better whipping around. Yeah. I think I had about three minutes on it, and I had, what I was coming across, and I, I chopped the throttle down a little bit, and then it just completely cut out. But I still had control, so I kind of like banked it around and made it over towards the runway, and as I'm making it towards the runway, it started smoking. I must have smoked the ESC. So it started smoking. It looked pretty cool. I yelled out dead stick, which something I thought I'd never yell out flying an electric plane, um, and it hit the runway, and our runways, you know, that high density plastic stuff so i ran out there to get it off the runway as soon as i could and it was really smoking at that point and steve's video in the whole time and then we pull it over we pull it off the runway to the grass field and uh, i pulled the battery out steve looks down inside where the motor is and he's like oh dude it's it's on fire and <laughs> so yeah. i kind of like rip the top off of it and just blow the flames out and sure enough there was quite a decent amount of flames in there and that esc yeah Oh, the ESC just melted completely from its like foundation, like desoldered everything. It was kind of like flopping around there inside the the fuselage, like a spare part. Yeah, I've never seen that happen. It desoldered all the wires, the caps on it. It was just a, a little board. And I think Ricky Rick was like, um, "Oh man, is it not spec'd out for that?" And I'm like, "It's really not spec'd out for anything. It's scratch built, man. I don't know what what it's spec'd out for. I right. just, just go." So we'll put it. We'll have to link that. That was that was pretty hysterical. It looked really cool. Gave me a couple ideas. Dude, it looked awesome, man. I want to put a smoke bomb in mine and just have it like shoot out smoke. You know? Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> man. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, Colored smoke. Yeah, dude. Just go with some red. That looks so cool. And maybe toss in a, an LED ring on the um, <laughs> on the like you know the exit port of the EDF with an Arduino controlling it, so you could have it like as you throttle up. Maybe I'll do like, you know, if you get an RGB set, you could do like um, blue and then go into like orange and then red when it's like full throttle. 
That'd be pretty yeah. cool, right? Yeah. With some smoke pouring out the back. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I think there's a way to do that. I kind of I talked to Peter about it one time. Um, I think it was was it at Flight Fest or was it at Neff? I think he said something to him at Neff. I was talking to Alex about it, and Peter was like, "What's this? You're gonna mm-hmm. do what?" And I mentioned like fireworks, and Peter was all like, ears perked up. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. He loves those rocket engines. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I told um, when I got a chance to meet Dave. I said one of the funniest episodes I ever saw was when you guys strapped that freaking, like, 10, 10, whatever it was, 10 times powerful rocket motor to... uh, The rocket plane. Yeah, and I laughed my ass off when they fired that thing up, man. Like, that was one of the funniest episodes I ever saw. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That episode was amazing. I, I liked all the episodes with David. Yeah. And he's still doing some crazy stuff, you know. Yeah. Sweet, there he's doing that that slow mo cam. Yeah, let's give a shout out to that. He has a a YouTube channel for slow motion capture. So he got us. Uh, I don't know what kind of cameras, something crazy, ten thousand frames per second or something. Um, and one of the first videos I saw is he swings a watermelon into a five hundred size heli. Yeah, the heli blade flying around. Yeah. Not not what you would expect. I didn't expect what happened with that either, though. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you know, you guys could check it out yourself. We don't want to give it away, but yeah, it wasn't. I thought it was gonna be um, a little more crazier, like as far as things surviving. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I thought survived was not gonna survive, and what what I thought was gonna get smashed really didn't get smashed. Right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So I have a little crash. I, I you know I spoke about it early and. Uh, weekly thing, but yeah. So I, I folded these wings in on the FT Mini Guinea. I feel like the foam board or just the design. You know, there's too much weight on the wings um, with the motors, pods, all being on the wing. So, and the way that it wasn't the design. Like, didn't they cut across where the aileron started? Kind of that was like the weak point. Yes. Yeah. So um, the wings always folded for me. At the where the ailerons start is where the one of the sides of the power pod is basically glued to, and it kind of lines up in that you know in like a line like that. And for some reason, um, I I really think it's the foam board I used because it was just really thin, cheap foam board. But it it would like even the first time I flew it, it you know that was a weak spot. Like I felt a lot of flex in there. Um, there's no actual spar except for a foam spar. Oh. So, you know, that's not really, you know, when you lay a piece of foam flat, there's no structural integrity, like, forces going up and down on the wing. Right. So, I mean, definitely was a weak spot, I'm, you know, so. I, I got some video of that. Not oh, that, do you? I don't think I got the crash, but I got you flying around a little bit where you can oh, see right. it starting to tweak. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was trying to flex it for you. <laughs> and yeah. you see, like, the wing basically kind of become a, a polyhedral wing uh with the two ends kind of flapping up a little yeah i'll have to upload that yeah That's yeah my upload phone. That. Let me take a look but yeah i'm rebuilding that i've or i have rebuilt that so um let's see if i could crash it next week or let's see if i can make the wings fold in next week nice cool all right uh let's see here next section would be what are you working on <laughs> Kevin has a nice funny note in here. Yeah, it says uh, all my helis. 
because I crashed that. Well, I didn't even talk about the Goblin 380, oh, right. which yeah, really no, wasn't have... a crash. I just, I had, um, well, you know, and this might be informative to some people that fly to Icon because we were kind of finding out that it's it's um, something that happens with the Icons. I guess what I did was I plugged the battery in and started to move the heli to put the canopy on immediately, and I didn't let the Icon go through. It's like whatever it is, startup initialization. The initialization, yes. So one of the servos was locked up, we found, when I when I got back. Cause I, I, I got it up. I think I got it up to about, you know, like a foot off the ground, and I was about to hit idle up one, and uh, it kind of came back down and had a little tip over and um, broke the blades. Yeah. Actually, um actually pulled out one of the staples, right? From the Yeah, from the runway and it from the runway dunk itself into the blade. That's stapled down. We have a picture of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's all over. I put it on Facebook yet. Yeah. No, I think I put it on No, I think it's on Instagram and Facebook. So, I wanted to make note of that. I know you said that an issue with the icon, but I was actually talking to some folks on Facebook that uh, you know, I talked to about helicopter stuff. Right. And I've 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 heard reports that They've had the same issue on an AR seventy two hundred beast X. Oh, okay. And and then at that point I started trying to, you know, do some troubleshooting and see, you know, what kind of servos are they running because I thought I've never Yeah, you had thought that, it was the the Savoy servos that I have. Yeah, I never had that happen to me on on my icon or AR seventy two hundred when I use you know, without any servos I've tried, like Turner G B BK. But uh, I never tried Savix or Savoy, so. Can you remember a time when you plug it in and just, like, went and moved it and didn't let it go through its setup, or, or are you pretty? I have. I, I, I've i done that before, but um, one of the things I kind of do is I just wiggle the cyclic, make sure all the servos are moving. Yeah. And and usually, like, when I move it, it doesn't initialize at all. So I'm like, I move it, and I'm like, oh, wait, it's not working. So I take it off, reseat the, the connector, and then let it sit there. So I guess this is, you know, a good tip. Always make sure, leave that heli still. You yeah. Know, let everything initialize. Let it do its little swash plate kick. Um, make sure that the ESC is, you know, armed and kind of booted up through a spoot cycle too. Yeah, I haven't checked out the that at all. I haven't done anything with that. Since uh since Saturday that was I haven't I haven't had a chance to even look at it so I'm I'm hoping that was all the damage that that was to it I didn't think we didn't really see any other thing any other damage by looking at it that day at the field yeah I mean I think we checked the servos or Anthony was checking the servos see if they were broken any gears broken or any additional slop in them um. I don't know. I, I feel like you, the only thing you're gonna have to replace is the blades and maybe the, uh, um, what is that? The spindle shaft. If yeah. the blades hit that hard, it might have bent the spindle a little. But I don't. None of your links were broken, right? None of your no. Um, you know, I have to check the horns or anything. The feathering shaft, yeah. Yeah, I think check that out. At the most, your feathering shaft and obviously a new set of blades, and you're you're back in the air. Yeah, so that's all I got to do for the the 380. The oxy. I'm actually looking forward to taking my time with that and getting that the the three bladed head back together because after it ate itself, it kind of I kind of damaged a lot of stuff on that. Yeah, but I, I got partly. I have some uh, some spare parts that I've had on the side, so I, I got the main gear back in there and main shaft, 
And what I'll do is I'll I'll usually get that far and I'll plug a battery in and I'll spool it up just to make or you know when I'm checking oh. things out I'll I'll spool it up just to make sure it sounds good and the main shaft isn't bent at all or anything you know if it's a new one obviously it's not bent but to to check it out you know yeah. see what what damage has been done and then I just go from there. Oh, that that's definitely a good idea. Yeah, and I did it with the 180 as well, and the 180 definitely sounded different when I did it. it sounded a lot smoother. Like I don't know, maybe something was up with the with the other main gear or something. But I'm, I'm just waiting on that swash plate, and I'll I'm gonna put that in the air again. Cool. So that's what I'm working on. What what are you working on? Um, I really don't know. <laughs> I kind of been at a lull. Like, uh, well, dude, we just I had have the so holidays much. too. It's true. You know, and we had time spent with the holidays. You went and saw Star Wars. I mean, you were a busy man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, Star Wars is a great movie. I Jeff, really did you see it. that yet? Yeah. He saw it, right? I don't know if he saw it. Yeah. Remember? Um, yep. Yep. I saw it. Yeah. He saw it last week. Oh, yeah. that's right. With yeah. his dad. Yeah. With his yeah. dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of, uh, to go on a tangent, you know, a lot of folks saying that, uh, you know, it was good, but it wasn't really that good because it was basically, you know, episode four kind of redone. I just want to slap him and be like, shut up, bitch. Yeah. I've been I've... playing GT5 a little too much. I just want to <laughs> slap him and be like, shut up, bitch. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. I thought but you're crying, cool, dude. Though. I mean, it could have been, that could have been the end of it. Yeah, it could have been like episode, episode three could have been the end. You got another Star Wars movie. True. Very and true. And you're bitching? Yeah. Shut up. And dude, you know what? I want to talk about is, did you, I saw, like, for a brief three seconds, I think it was in the news, that people were giving Carrie Fisher shit for being overweight or being kind of hefty. I mean, geez Louise, she's freaking 60-something. Yeah. Cut her some slack for crying out loud. Like, when was the original Star Wars uh, Episode Four or whatever on Who New Hope? That was, what, 77? 77. You know, I was in the theater myself watching it. So I mean, I mean, seventy-seven, and she was like eighteen or yeah, nineteen. We're talking about forty-something years later. Yeah, so she's she's got to be close to. I mean, oh my, I it's I couldn't believe that. And the other thing was, you know what I really I had heard too was like they were making a big deal about how like should we should we say spoiler alert just in case? <laughs> no, because this is in like um, this is in a a, a coming attraction or okay. You see this on TV. What I'm about to say is. They were making a big deal originally uh, about there being a black guy in, in Star Wars being like a predominant character. I was like, are you freaking kidding me, dude? It's freaking Star Wars. Who cares? Let's not we got to race into everything. And like, can't we just go enjoy a movie? Yeah. You know, I just ugh, I can't stand the media. Can you tell? Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what, I got to do some more research on that because, you know, I, the whole Carrie Fisher thing, I was like, you got to be freaking. That's ridiculous. That's that's just oh, that's just ridiculous. Come on. I, and she didn't look like, you know, Jabba the Hutt or anything in the in the film. I mean, she obviously wasn't 19, but you didn't have to give her crap. I mean, she, like I said, she's, she's getting up there, you know. Just thank God that they're all still around and can do the movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I like that, that she was in it, you know. Yeah. But I don't want to. I don't want to. Spoil yeah. anything for folks that might not have seen it yet. If you haven't seen it, I don't know what the hell you're waiting for. Yeah, Post I was going to say, now. your friends are probably busting your chops because you're the only one that hasn't seen it yet. So get yeah. your ass out there and see it. Yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, uh, I think my next thing as far as uh, 
what I'm going to be working on is I'm going to be I'm going to try to do that at A10 I think soon. I think also I'm going to try to figure out um whether to fix a dragonfly or the Y6 version of a Batbone. So I have oh, nice. I have all the motors for the Y6. I just need ESCs, but you know, and I have the flight controller and everything so I can do that. Um so I want to hear from you from our listeners. I want to see uh which one should I build? Rebuild Dragonfly or the Y6 version of the Batbone? Um, hit me up on Facebook or by email and let me know your input. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, yeah. Jeff, you got anything you're working on, or do we kind of cover just that? Just ordering parts. That's about it. Nice. I feel like I haven't ordered parts in forever. Uh, I can't say that. Not with three helis. Yeah, the true. Knock on wood. Um, all right, so I think we're getting a little long on the podcast here. Let's uh, wrap it up. Kevin, you want to do your wrap-up? Yeah, sure. I just want to list a couple more states that I found uh, that we have listeners in. Pennsylvania actually made it to the list this this week. Uh, nice. As- aside from the ones we li- we've listed already, I'm probably not going to list them again. Um, okay. But the new states that, that have showed up on our statistics are Pennsylvania, Texas, Ohio, Massachusetts, and Oregon. So, and actually, so thank you for listening, you you people in those five states, and the rest uh, that I mentioned last time. We still have um, an unknown state, which <laughs> I won't get into. I'm not sure where that state is. And there's five people in it. And there's five people in it. Five, yeah. I mean, are they calling Puerto Rico unknown? I don't know. Well, you would think. I don't know. Nah. But, I don't know. <laughs> The big drum roll of the week is we have a listener in the United Kingdom. Woo! So awesome. thank you. Thank you very much for being great. our first listener. That is great news. We have become international. Yes. Thank you. That oh, one that's, person in the UK. Yeah, that might not be good news. That might be that might mm-hmm. be bad news because we might break some unknown law internationally now by saying something. You know, my mouth gets me in trouble in enough states <laughs> don't want to become an international criminal <laughs> have interpol looking for you all right so uh if you give us a review we will read it on the air give you a shout out give you thanks whether it's a five star which we prefer or whether it's a one star and you say that we suck so be it uh if you want to get in touch with us you can email us at freefallrc at gmail.com you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash freefallrcpodcast. Uh, thank you for listening, and I want to just, you know, wish everyone a happy and great 2016. Yes. I think it's going to be a great year for us, so hopefully, you know, I want to hope everyone has a, a great year too. So, yeah, from the Free Fall RC podcast crew, see you next time. See you guys. Have a good one.